Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I'm your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team traveling invertedly. How are you, Kevin? Okay, just as confused as ever here on the blue team. Would you say dazed and confused no not really dazed i wish but i'm more just <laughs> that you know we talk a lot about the tenant sequel that's the tenant sequel <laughs> tenant two dazed and confused I, I yeah the more i think I, I keep going there would be a good sequel to this but this is also one of his least like critically reviewed films oh so. yeah people people put it like i get like the suggested articles that i should read you know on all mm-hmm. these different feeds every day and there's always like one a week that's like Christopher Nolan's worst films and like Tenet, <laughs> it's number one on there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is his worst film. It's not his best either, but that's also a very high bar. I, I hold Tenet. I hold, his, uh, I hold Inception very high. What's his worst? Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it would probably be. I, I'm less of a fan of the entire Batman series than you are. Right, but chill, um, maybe with that third one. I mean, if any movie he ever did for money, it was that one. And I think that's record. <laughs> I think he's almost on the record that he just did that one. I enjoy that movie. I mean, I like I like the characters, but the story is really bad. And it's the least cinematically interesting, I think. There's also just like some bad dialogue and bad fight scenes in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Let's we can dig into that another day. Yeah, some other day on our on our review podcast. Where we should review all the we should walk through his entire filmography somewhere. That's a great idea. So yeah. Tenet, his second worst movie. <laughs> We're making I'm not even show. sure that's true. <laughs> all right, well, we'll figure that out. I have to watch the following. Um and following. In, and Insomnia? Yeah, Insomnia is Insomnia's good. Insomnia is okay. better better than Tenet. Okay, those <laughs> are the two the only two I've had never seen. I haven't seen the following. Um, cool. Well, hey, I am at, this is episode 24, by the way, I am at minute, uh, marker 2321 to 2421. Shall I, uh, shall I get into this? Yes. Let's just jump. So let's jump. Excellent. Jump. Word. Yes. Let's <laughs> jump. Let's, <laughs> off, let's this, uh... <laughs> off this ledge. <laughs> yeah. So we are, uh, wrapping up our scene in, uh, Priya and Sanjay's, uh, flat in Mumbai, uh, we left off last week with uh, with a really good line, actually, from Priya. To get anywhere near Seder would take a fresh-faced protagonist. Uh, mm-hmm. And wow, look at that. We have a fresh-faced protagonist. His name is Protagonist. So, I mean, mm-hmm. what are the odds? Um, Do you think there's ever been any other protagonists that uh, uh, Priya has sent to their deaths? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. after after he leaves, a guy parachutes down. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, I she, got a job for you." She she just does this every night with a different protagonist. Yes. <laughs> Somebody comes in in a squirrel glider suit. <laughs> 
maybe like maybe Batman comes in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Mahershala Ali or somebody Ooh, like. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> this, that's the sequel. This is the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the other all the other timelines. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, fresh faced protagonist, and then she says, "You are fresh as a daisy." Uh, great line, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, get close, find out what he's receiving and how. Then the protagonist says, is it safe to involve British intelligence? Interesting question. Uh, is he saying this because he knows Sater like, resides in London? Is he saying this because maybe he doesn't trust Neil? Like, what's the, what's the <laughs> reasoning behind this question? Uh, that's a great question. I think it comes up in the next uh, scene because there's something I noticed in the dialogue of the next scene when he's talking to Crosby. Okay. Um, which we can get to, but also, it, well, well, yeah, it's a jump to go from because he's definitely American. Like, why he jumps right to British intelligence? Maybe just because he resides in London and is on the outs with Moscow, so he wants to, you know, get some intel from British intelligence. That's the only thing I can really think that, or, or like, it's a Neil thing. Like, do, can we trust Neil? Neil oh, is obviously British intelligence. True. But, but I feel like we've already established we, we can trust Neil. They, they've always, they already had their playful exchange a couple minutes ago. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just yeah. interesting. Yeah, the script is very close to, it's actually word for word what is said because um, I went through it because I, I kind of wanted to see, because this scene sets up Crosby scene, which yeah. it, it feels like that one comes more out of nowhere than this Priya person. We also don't return to Crosby at any point. So... Well, Michael Caine has to make a cameo. Has to, so. He has to give some pearls of wisdom right. in every um, uh, Christopher Nolan movie. All right. Well, so... Okay, let's keep moving. <laughs> he says that, and then she she responds, I have a contact who's out of Seder's reach. So mm-hmm. uh, then we hear some sirens and response vehicles approach at the street level. They look down at the ground. We can see the vehicles pulling up to the building. The protagonist starts looking around. And she says, Priya says, you must have had a plan for getting out. And the the protagonist is setting up his bungee cord on the railing, <laughs> looks at her and says, not one I love. And then as he says that, you see Neil like lunge from in the background, which I love. <laughs> Just like, hey, there was someone else here the whole time. <laughs> and then uh, and then the protagonist jumps next. And then as they fall to the ground, they're kicking their legs. I don't know if you noticed that. Is that like a... Is that are they trying to slow themselves down? Are they trying to like create some air resistance and, and slow themselves down or maybe they look, stabilize themselves? They look um, ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. The whole setup like made me question like the physics of this. Like with the because the rope is very flimsy. It's not it's really thin. It's like I would not really bungee thin. jump with that rope. It's one carabiner hooked around a railing that you just assume is load bearing. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't see them pull any schematics of this ledge. Um, and then the whole mechanism where it's like unhooking itself to slow you to slow to the scent. Um, I don't know. I didn't, I haven't seen any Mythbusters on this scene. If this little rig is possible and then yeah. to take it off, they just kind of like flick it off. So yeah. yeah. So then so <laughs> it then, comes up too, too, too easy. So they're, they're, they're falling to the ground. They're kicking their legs. They look ridiculous. Uh, Priya like looks over the sides side and watches. And then as Neil and the protagonist get close to the ground, they don't like bungee back up by the way. They just like come no. to like a nice, like a nice slow halt. Like this looks like a really pleasurable, like ride, ride down from the building. 
Um, then they, they do something on the back, the cables disconnect, they fall to the ground and then they try and blend in, but it's like, it's two white guys in a sea of brown people in India. They just <laughs> fell from the sky. They fell from the sky and they have these ridiculous looking vests on. Yeah. So, but it works because no one notices them somehow. Yeah. I guess each time, cause the, the, the thing zigzags or zippers, um, or switchbacks across their back. So I guess each time it gets pulled off of their back from the holding, it would be an increasing amount of restriction. Oh, so you think like, but it has to be, it has to be so perfect that they perfectly land on their feet. You think the, the vest is absorbing the bungee capability? Because like, but like that would just like kill them. Cause like it would pull tight. But like you tighter. said, there's no elastic, there's no elasticity to them landing. No, they, they come to like a nice perfect halt and they're able to just like tap the ground. Yeah. And walk normally. Right. Um, yeah. As if they've done this before too. <laughs> yeah. And, and our protagonist who famously uh, uh, broke his leg in basic training, jumping out of a plane. <laughs> that was parachuting. Very parachuting. different. Very different. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving um, on. Anyway. Fun scene. Yep. It is a fun scene. It's very fun sequence. It is fun. Uh, we, we go to the next, we break and then we pick back up at 24 minutes, exactly 24 minutes. Uh, protagonist walking down a sidewalk. We're clearly in London. We can see the very British taxis. <laughs> um, <laughs> he goes up some stairs and enters this building. It's a very grand building. He's like in this lobby. That's like a, I don't know, super high ceiling. It looks super fancy and really nice. It's, uh, it's, uh, um, called the members club in yeah, the script. So yeah. that must be where you get the, those coats from the eighties. What? The members only coats. What members only? What are you talking about? Look up a members only coat. <laughs> You'll be like, Oh, my grandpa had that coat. <laughs> I have no idea. What right. I'm looking this up in real time. Members only coat. If you uh, got that joke, <laughs> tweet at tenant man to let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I to don't, reassure me i'm not crazy members I only no i i see like so many different things i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> all right <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible joke okay <laughs> so yeah it, this, it's obviously some kind of like uh highbrow fancy place because the uh the dialogue with with this host goes horribly uh the, like host comes up to the protagonist he says may i help you sir and then he says i'm mr crosby's lunch and it's a uh, weird way to say that by the way really weird way to say it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you cook me medium rare <laughs> yeah like <laughs> um and then he says i presume you mean sir michael crosby's lunch and the protagonist says, presume away. It's like this like kind of snarky dialogue back and yeah. forth. But I, I'm just left with the impression that the protagonist is not a very good spy here because you think he would know how to enter such a fancy place and say who he's meeting. Or he's a great spy because he's like throwing them off the scent of. Mm. OK, maybe if, like he, if he tried to act too suave, they'd see through it. Yeah. So he acts like new money. Right. Is that is that what you think? That's what I would um, assume that he's he, he's overplaying it so that he th so that this guy who's named the steward um, <laughs> dismisses him and he's like, oh, that guy's just some, you know, <laughs> yeah, they have some, some lowbrow business guy who has no business being here. Um, whereas if he was pretending to be rich, 
um, that would be more suspicious than somebody who just walked in off the street, I think. They have they have some more additional banter later. So, mm-hmm. uh, but then he says, "If you'll follow me," and then uh, he walks away. And then we're done. We're at the twenty four twenty one. So, uh, stay tuned for next week when we get to introduce Sir Michael Crosby. Sir Michael Kane. Sir Michael Kane's knighted, right? He's got. He, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody is, he uh, ought to be. Uh, Alec Guinness is definitely uh, knighted. Well, was yes, was yes. He has passed. Well, that doesn't go away. Um, <laughs> you continue to fight for the empire in the ongoing <laughs> battle of the cosmos. They're they're shrinking. Yeah, really defending their shrinking empire. But yeah, sure. <laughs> All they have is the, <laughs> the cosmos is what's yeah. in the past. Okay. All right. Blue Switching team. over. We're changing gears. We're going through the turnstile. Coming out the other side, and um, we are almost to the beginning of the third act, and uh, all action. I think there's one line of dialogue in this scene. Wow. So in our last minute, we had um, blue team infiltrating, and this time we have the red team infiltrating. Uh, we start with a great uh, shot of the Chinooks uh, choppering in. We then cut to the um, protagonist view from inside the uh, Chinook. He's not in a container like Neil was hanging below the chopper. Um, This is uh, inside the chopper. He looks out um, and he sees the other team coming in. He also sees the Stalag uh, scene. And that's at, uh, you know, starting out at uh, two hours and 21 seconds. So I'm just about to dip under the two hour mark. At the 30 second mark, Ives screams out 30 seconds <laughs> which is i i rewound it because sometimes the times are off depending upon like if i'm watching on a streaming service or if i'm um, watching a copy that's saved to my phone but this was i, I checked it on two services and perfectly at two hours 30 seconds i says 30 seconds and that's the only bit of dialogue in this whole scene <laughs> all right wow um, uh, we then get uh, the the red team landing at 41 seconds um and they immediately move to take out the anti-aircraft guns that are firing at the um, blue team that is technically taking off um which makes me wonder is the anti-aircraft crew inverted or um like because they were not firing at the red team they were firing at the blue team. Um, yeah, they, so they're taking out the guns so that the blue team can get away and complete their mission because this is the end of their mission. Correct. So this yeah. is the end of their mission. So they're, they're covering the their exit. Um, exactly. And the and we do see the, the the blue team's mission is kind of to well, technically, I don't know. I think we see them reassemble, but we have to reverse that in our minds. They unassembled a, a gun. But how did the our, blue team? How did the blue team get in? In the, they land um, at, right after they take out the anti-aircraft guns. We see them. Well, oh, no, really? actually, this is the exfil. Um, right. You're right, because uh, the protagonist looks over and he sees people limping backwards out of their containers. So we got to think at the end of the mission, like where does the blue team go? The blue team goes into a bunch of containers at the end of their mission. That we're seeing that in this minute. No, no, I mean. 
in the yeah yeah that's my go back to last episode steve i covered that and it was just as confusing as you are now (laughs) that's why like they're cutting back and forth between different times so in my previous minute we saw neil come out of the shipping container but in this time frame i'm talking about right now where the protagonist just land that has not happened yet technically neil's not even on the field well he's he's not a good example because we don't know where yeah no Neil is not in this minute. You should use the the other one. Uh, Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler is limping, is is carrying her soldiers into the shipping container, and the red team is covering for them. But how do they get there? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like so, like because yeah. they, they get there when you did. You did cover this last week. I need to go back and listen to last week. You need but to this, listen to the show is, in reverse. I know this is why the whole third act is so freaking confusing because you're cutting not back and forth between two different perspectives you're cutting back and forth between two different time frames so when neil lands everything that's happened has already happened he's already dead hey i uh, see what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> it's right so and then he re- he reverses himself around the right after the five minute mark and then he comes back the same way he started right and he leaves with the red team with ives um so he's not, he's just not on the field. Um, okay. Okay. Right. I have another weird thing. I don't know. What are we doing over time? Just real quickly. I don't, did I cover this in the last minute where during the anti-aircraft gunfight in the script, Ives, let me read it from verbatim. Ives uses an inverse grenade to violently reassemble an enemy gun emplacement out of existence. Violently reassemble an enemy gun emplacement out of existence. Just read that twice for clarity or whatever. Um, And it ends with shredding the enemy with inverse, with reverse shrapnel. So multiple things there. Obviously this is not, that's not part of the movie because I, I checked a couple times at no point does Ives use a grenade. But I, I again think that this is also a logic problem that they had when shooting it in how Ives is forward moving. He has an inverse grenade, throws it. It reassembles a gun, but then also the shrapnel that comes into. But the okay, the problem with the bullet where I say like when a bullet gets inverted, it still looks like a bullet. And then, but like at what point does the bullet get stuck in a wall and get sucked back into the gun? Right. Uh, it's, it's the same thing. So if I walk through a turnstile with a grenade, that grenade's now inverted. Wouldn't it just be a pile of scraps until I throw the scraps into the air and it turns back into a grenade? No, 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 because you're inverted, right? Like if you, if you, okay. If grenade- I'm inverted, Right. If you take a grenade into a turnstile and invert yourself and the grenade, then you can still okay. you can still detonate it in inverted time from someone who's from a normie, <laughs> right? Yeah, but okay, uh, now but Ives is not inverted. So Ives so <laughs> Neil, the little scamp, uh, replaced <laughs> Ives grenades with his own. Again, you you're moving forward in time. You pull a grenade out, you pull the pin and you throw it. At what point 
does the grenade become a bunch of scraps that are scattered all around the vicinity and turn back into a grenade, which is what no, should happen. It, it Shouldn't it be a pile of scraps you throw? It would just be a pin. You, you <laughs> <laughs> right? It would just be a pin. Right? Right. And yeah. then you'd have to, it's like, it's like reverse throwing a baseball. Yeah, this is why inverted objects make no sense. Yeah. Like again, <laughs> and probably why it's not in the movie because like, I, I think like at some point that they were trying to be like, oh, well, wait, how do we do this? Because if you just, infer, if you just inverted the throw, it would unexplode and the grenade would fly back into Ives hands. Just like we saw a bullet jump back into the protagonist's hand earlier in the film it doesn't make sense if that object explodes at some point right this this is what you'd see he'd have a pin right and he would just be like so i i was just walking around with a pin no idea when he's gonna need it and he sees he sees a group of soldiers firing an anti like no because the gun is broken up so he sees a bunch of soldiers standing around a broken gun and then he goes i know what to do he pulls out a pin and then he waits a second, and he sees the thing unexplode. He, he catches the grenade. <laughs> the grenade comes flying. He grabs it, and he quickly puts the pin in. <laughs> yeah, what's he do with the grenade? Was it just a paperweight from then on? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't want to carry around an inverted grenade. <laughs> it would make me nervous. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, which also same thing. So if you take pick up a gun that went through a turnstile fully loaded. Are there bullets in there or the bullets disappear and they go into the, the cosmos? It's just, uh. Okay, inverted objects do not make logical sense at all. I agree. <sighs> this is, this, I would love to, this is like one of those moments where, because like Christopher Nolan, like he wrote the screenplay and he's like, this is so clever. And then when it came down to like the execution of it, he's like, oh, this is impossible. <laughs> this, oh. Doesn't make, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> It, it reminds me of that documentary of him talking about Interstellar, and he wrote it with a, a physicist, right? Uh, Kip or something like that? Thorne. Thorne, sorry. Yeah, I knew it was a some sort of name like that. And um, and he kept, and Christopher Nolan kept trying to introduce time travel to it. Yeah. And the guy kept going, no, no, time moves in one direction. You can't. <laughs> you can't. There's no, there's no, you can't go back in time. And then, and then this movie this script feels like a response to that. Like I'm going to time travel all over the place. Oh, and then he's, and then he starts going, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh, let's go back to the historical document. <laughs> let's go back to what biographies do I have? <laughs> all right. Let's <laughs> Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're getting that. Um, Okay. Um, after the uh, anti-aircraft gun is um, disassembled, the blue team, uh, it, to our perspective, lands, but they're limping out. And at that point, this is another weird thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I should have paid better attention to this. Uh, the protagonist checks his watch, and it's at 9 minutes 58 seconds. And then we get another sequence of um, the protagonist this time doing a wonderful run and shoot uh, to, the, to the great score. The, the, the menacing, the, the relentless um, uh, downbeat of that score, which is really, uh, it's great imagery. <laughs> but the, the question I have for the watches, mm. and I, 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 I'm going to try and answer this next time because I'm going to rewatch this whole sequence backwards and forwards before the next one. Answering the question, the red team's watches count down. 
Are they all counting down? Do the blue team's watches count up? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Because his watch is counting down from 10 to 0. I bet I bet red is counting up to 10. Well, red is counting down. Oh, red, red is counting down, you're saying? Yeah, because he's he, he his mission just started, and apparently they took out that anti-aircraft gun in two seconds. Uh, <laughs> but it, it said 9.58. Oh, okay. So that means he's at the very start. Um, so does, he has 10 does minutes the, to complete this. Does blue count up then? Yeah, because from that perspective, it would make sense because they're landing at the end. So they and go, okay, we got to yeah. be out of here in 10. But then does Neil's watch change at any point? Because he... Re- it reverts yeah. himself. The, so so. The, the time on every watch would be identical in that case. The blue and red. Yeah, wouldn't they? If if if. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I mean, it tells you the same thing. Right. It's right. Kind of interesting. But I also have to think about the audience perspective of that because we're both looking at watches and what does it mean? I bet they do match, but then you have to remember that Neil is in the protagonist's future, 10 minutes in the future. Right. I'm, I'll have an answer for this next episode. So <laughs> listen to the next episode. Follow us, <laughs> please. Stay tuned. You're going to get some big yeah. big reveals in episode 25 that. of Tenet Men. Oh, it's exhausting. What happens at the end? Okay. Uh, yeah, the running and shooting, uh, and then it ends. All right. Oof, a, we did it. It's kind of a big minute without... Yeah, that's a big with minute. no dialogue. With no dialogue, yeah, thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Some, sometimes, in just describing this stuff, I get exhausted. It's it, it hurts. It hurts the brain. It hurts the brain. I hope it hurts all your brains as much as it hurts ours. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to the Tenant Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review on whatever service you found us on. Find us at Tenant Men on Twitter. Find us on Reddit. Uh, and we'll answer none of your questions, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll announce them. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about them. <laughs> we will uh, analyze your questions to the point where it only creates more questions. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you have answers for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the best way to get them on air is to leave a review on whatever yes. service you're listening to us. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. Until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. Bye.